Welcome to the Media People Podcast, the show where we speak to the people who make up the media industry to learn about where they started, where they are now, and the stories in between. I'm your host, Victor Genova. For more episodes, go to soundcloud.com slash mediapeoplepodcast. Views expressed by participants are personal. Nikki Hawk is a staple in the Canadian media world. She's held senior marketing positions at major companies like CTV, CanWest, Alliance Atlantis, and Chorus. Nikki even spent time working for Showtime in the U.S. But just as media is becoming digital first, so has Nikki's career. She's currently Vice President Global Marketing for the Exchange Lab. Nikki chats with us about growing up in Toronto, attending university in Quebec and New York City, and the marketing differences between TV stations and digital media firms. Thanks for joining us, Nikki. Thanks for having me. Uh, and I wanted to say, this is episode three of the Media People podcast, and you are the first Canadian we've ever had. Congratulations, even though we are a Canadian-based podcast. That's incredible. Thank you. Uh, so going back to the beginning, uh, we know you're from Canada. We just established that, gave that away to the audience, but uh, where in Canada are you from? I'm from Toronto. So as a child, born and raised in Toronto? Born and raised in Toronto, proud to be from Toronto. Love it. And growing up in Toronto, what were some of your passions? Would you say you were an artist, musician, uh, athlete? Kind of like, what did you gravitate towards? Um, I would say quite a mix. Um, I went to a few schools in Toronto when I was younger. Always loved sports. Um, grew up skiing on weekends all through my teens. And then was a ski instructor. Taught swimming. Um, my parents really thought a mix was really important. But then I loved the arts and um, sort of gravitated towards them. Lots of art classes, drama, things like that. Extracurricular activities as well. Interesting note about sports. So you said skiing and you said uh, swimming. So you had kind of both seasons covered. And one thing I noticed about them too is that they're uh, very independent sports. They're things that you can do on your own. Was that something that uh, attracted you to those sports or it just kind of panned out that way? That's what you were introduced to. Um, actually, it's funny. Skiing for me was a team sport until the very end because what I don't know if you ever followed skiing, but back in the day, Nancy Green and Mountain Dew were team sports. So your points went against the team and only when you were older and started racing division or doing things like that was an individual. Um, but so, no, I really... I love. I love team sports, and um, swimming was just something I loved, sort of a, a fish. I'm a Pisces, so it's okay. cheesy as that, as that is. Did you do any competitive swimming? Uh, a little bit, yeah, and just in high school. I did as well. What was your event? Um, front crawl. You? Front crawl? Uh, breaststroke. Awesome. Yeah, I wasn't very good at it. I was the slowest <laughs> one, and I picked the slowest and the easiest stroke to go with. Okay, uh, and then you mentioned the arts as well. Like, I mean, we're... Uh, painting, sculpting, were you a musician? You mentioned drama, though, that you, you touched on that. Yeah, I mean, actually a lot of things. Um, I tried to do piano when I was really little. My grandmother was a concert pianist. She was amazing. Um, it wasn't really my strength, but I love music. And then I actually took tuba, don't laugh. I'm not laughing at that. No. seven and eight, and that uh, was really good. Did the Qantas Music Festival here in uh, Toronto. I'm very familiar with, with that music festival. Yeah, and then, um, you know, just like loved singing and then acting, doing drama. Used to do courses at Second City here in Toronto. Oh, nice. Um, yeah. Just, um, and then also art and sculpture and all that too. Just really loved it all. So just anything artistic you threw yourself into then. Like real, I guess you probably came from a real family of um, idealists then because that's really what art's rooted in. 
I guess so. I think my parents, um, both of my parents are really creative, but it, they grew up in the medical profession. So, oh, interesting. Yeah, having two daughters who are actually now in like the creative professions um, is interesting for them because I think as we went on our journey of developing ourselves as into adults in our careers, they really didn't know how to help because they came from the medical profession, but they always had a passion for the arts. Okay, and speaking of your parents, uh, were they influences for you growing up? Was there anyone else, say, I don't know, a teacher, another relative, a friend? Um, I would say lots of people. Um, my best friend from growing up actually was an artist for many years, like a, a painter. Um, and I found I gravitated towards creative people. Um, my dad's written several books and is quite a great photographer. Oh, and nice. his mom was the one that was a, um, a concert pianist and a sculptor. Um, and then, you know, just lots of people in my life who are very into fashion and the arts, et cetera. Okay, and then uh, you clearly did a lot of this through high school, but one thing you mentioned to me about high school is in your last year you went to boarding school. You moved away, where did you go? I went to Trinity College School in Port Hope. Uh, for anyone who's listening, where is Port Hope? We so Port that. Hope is one hour east of Toronto. It's beautiful. Um, I loved it. It was the year that sort of changed my life, and I was really lucky because um, I wasn't doing that well at the time in high school, and uh, my grandfather sort of ponied up to send me to boarding school for the year, and it made um, all the difference in my life, I would say. What was, like, what was really the turning point for you at boarding school versus, like, say, conventional high school? I think it was honestly that the community itself was like a family and there was peer pressure to work hard and do well. So, you know, often in high school or at schools, you know, socializing becomes very important as a teenager. And at the school, it was really important to um, participate in sports, participate in extracurriculars, do well in school, work hard. Um, you couldn't really get away with anything. And I think I really thrived in that environment. And then from there, you went on to college, university. Yep. Where was it? I went to Bishop's University in Lennoxville, Quebec. And that's the one. That's the that's the one that's really close to the Vermont border, correct? It is. It's really close to the Vermont border. So as a skier, I liked that. Um, but also, I picked Bishop's actually in the end because it was a small environment as well and there were some classes I had through university which had six students in the class and then there were some that had hundreds of students in the class but it was a smaller community and that really seemed to fit with me. I checked out, I was reading up on bishops in advance of the interview and I noticed that literally on Wikipedia when you rank by student body population like bishops is probably maybe the fifth or sixth smallest in Canada like 2200 full-time students yep and that's it that's as big as some people's high school yeah I mean and that's great too because then you really get to know the community and you get to know people in all different years and you get to know people through sports and extra extracurricular activities and I really like that I went to Brock and we had a pretty big rivalry with your school for lacrosse. Oh, really? Yeah, back and forth every year it'd be like it'd either be Brock or it'd be bishops. Amazing. Uh, and living in Quebec in general, how was that? Because again, that was your first time that, and I know when you were at Port Hope, you were away from Toronto, but still, it's pretty close with, uh, by being an hour away, but what was it like going to Quebec? Was it a bit of a culture shock, or was it... it I mean, it was great. Lennoxville is a very English-speaking town in Quebec City, but I was there during the referendum, which was a really interesting time. Oh, okay. Um, and, you know, Montreal is not that far. I had lots of people at McGill and Concordia, so I got to go up and visit there. I, I personally love Quebec. I love um, the environment. I love the French language, although I'm not very good at it. Um, so I, lo I loved being there. I think, you know, not to go into detail on it, I think that was pretty interesting to be there at a time when it was very politically motivated to be starting out in university. Because I got to imagine that if you took any political science courses or even the debate on campus, a lot of it was shaped by the referendum. That's what was in your face all the time. 
Absolutely. Uh, but you didn't take politics. What did you take instead when you were there? Um, I took um, sociology was my major, which I absolutely loved. I actually started in English and sort of switched into sociology and with a double major with rocks for jocks, as they called it, which was geography. <laughs> yep, I've heard that before. And um, a minor in women's studies. Uh, what attracted you then to say geography? And then we'll, same question for women's studies as your minor. Um, you know, women's studies was just sort of like an offshoot of sociology in general, and I guess I would call myself a bit of a feminist in some ways, and I just loved the courses. Um, and geography, I just took one um, in my first year sort of as an extra course and um, loved it. It was sort of a bridge between sociology and economics, and um, a lot of the teachers were phenomenal at Bishops and just really, really liked I love traveling, love learning about the world. So... Okay, and then after you finished at Bishops, uh, did you go traveling? Did you go get a job? What happened next? I did. Um, I came home from Bishops after three years. I didn't stay to do honors. Um, I think that was a little bit of influence from my parents because they weren't really sure if I'd ever go to graduate school or not. And um, I came home and started working actually in finance, surprisingly. So I worked at Scotia McLeod as sort of a temp and saved money to travel Africa for four months. So not only did you have your first non-media job, not counting your part-time gigs, uh, but you went you went through Africa. What was that like? That was um, an incredible time of my life. Uh, I mean, clearly, it's pretty hard to hit the entire continent, and in some places, it's a little unstable, but what were the key countries that uh, you hit? I mean, what impressed you? Any moments where you're like, maybe I shouldn't be doing this? Uh, tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, sure. I mean, I think I didn't realize until after the fact that I actually was, at some time point, scared during my trip. I mean, we got... Um, you know, some of the people that I traveled with got robbed. Some people got malaria. Um, I actually did a lot of the southern continent. I did 10 countries over the course of three and a half months. So I started in South Africa, moved up the west, Namibia, Botswana, then across Zambia, um, Tanzania, Uganda, Rwanda, Kenya. Mozambique, by any chance, did you get into there? No, no not Mozambique. Okay. Um, but I guess... What I loved is I was backpacking and staying at hostels, so I did feel like... Um, I got to see a lot of the country, I got to meet some of the people, um, I got to meet lots of amazing travelers from all over the world, and just, it's a spectacular um, landscape and country, and, you know, in my future, I really hope that I get to go back and can contribute in some way, whether that's by, you know, building a schoolhouse or volunteering my time, but it's something, now that I'm an adult, that I'd like to do moving forward. See, so yeah, the one flaw I find about just the way education works in Canada, or maybe it's just the culture, is we don't put enough of a premium on traveling. Like, I, when I did backpacking, too, after I had finished my many years of school, I was running into a lot of people from, say, England or Australia who were doing that gap year, where they were like, you know what, I need a year after high school to find myself. And the one thing that really promoted that was the fact that a lot of those universities would hold on to your acceptance for a year and say, you know, think about it and get back to us in eight or nine months. So, yeah, no, I, I don't blame you for doing that. Uh, and then after you got back to Canada, was there a bit of shock for you? you? Like, you know how it is when you move back and you're like, oh, it's not the way it was the last four months. And you kind of have to re-find yourself or reintegrate. Um, I think what was hard for me is that a lot of my friends were still in university, so there was a bit of a gap because I'd done three years. Um, so it was sort of meeting new people and trying to figure out my career. So I had applied to do a graduate certificate in PR at Humber, and I got accepted. So it was just sort of the months between traveling in Africa and starting my certificate course um, that I sort of filled working you know, at bars and different things like that. But then once I started on the journey sort of towards marketing and communications, I really felt like I found myself in my place. 
Okay, so what was life at Humber like? Because I mean, that's a pretty the PR program's pretty big, and I mean, if, if you you search for anyone's LinkedIn profile, anyone that's in PR, I want to say if they're in Toronto or in Canada, seven out of ten of them probably have that PR postgrad uh, diploma. Yeah, I well, I personally think it's the preeminent program in public relations in Canada, and it was phenomenal. It was hard work, like it was very intense program. I'm still friends with people there from from there today. I hire a lot of interns out of the Humber PR program because I think it is amazing. Um, so it was really great for me. I, PR is really grueling. I, and I always reconcile that back to politics because every time something goes wrong in a political office, we'll pick on our prime minister, for example, it's usually the PR officer or the communications officer that takes the boot, even though they're probably taking direction from a, a higher power. Yeah, I mean, I think crisis communications is really important for a lot of companies, and that stems from PR. And then after Humber, uh, I guess this was your foray into uh, the media world full-time. So where did you start? Yeah, so um, outside of, uh, when you finish Humber, you're supposed to do sort of an, um, an internship for credit. So I had done a lot of internships going into the course. So I started immediately at a, uh, an advertising agency doing PR for that ad agency and then quickly discovered that the one sort of pillar of communications and just doing PR was too siloed for me and I really wanted to look at marketing communications holistically. So um, that I got a job at McLaren McCann um, working on the GM business and that sort of then pushed me into sort of the advertising media world. That's huge. I've had a chance to work on GM as a rep before and I mean if there's any place you really want to cut your teeth where I mean they've got the budgets to do all the really crazy and exciting things but to also invest in the conventional side of media as well. You mean you learn a lot working with them. Was that the case for you? Yeah it was um, and incredible training ground and also I would say the retail business because it's not brand it's so fast-paced like every day it's a different you know offer and deal and working for the Ontario dealers was um, really really interesting and then after that you did find your way uh, what we like to call the dark side you, you, you left the agency world you came over to the media supplier side and then you were at places like say Bell Media what was that or sorry CTV at the time yeah and <clears throat> what was that like I loved it. Um, that was my first, I, I'd wanted to work in entertainment and television, I think probably since I was a kid, and was passionate about it, but didn't really know ever how to sort of transition my way into a career that way. Um, and I loved it. And the role that I had when I was at CTV was a contract role, but it was pretty unique in that it was the, the launch of Canadian Idol. And I also got to work okay. on the Junos. And um, so it was convergent marketing, in essence, it was like using CTV's properties to help promote um, those shows, which was really exciting. So I got to know a lot of people in different departments and, um, you know, learned that I really love the entertainment side of the business. And Canadian Idol, I, when you go back to its very first year, that was a huge deal. That was probably the first major uh, American reality TV franchise that made its way north of the border. Yeah, it did. And they did a great job to huge success. And now we've seen it, you know, other shows come to Canada and have success like The Bachelor and Deal or No Deal Canada, etc. Uh, they've had Big Brother, right? I believe. Yep, yep. Big, Brother Big Brother Canada is a great show, Shaw Media. Okay, and then uh, as your career progressed, you decided to go back to school. I did. Um, I had actually applied for my master's degree sort of when I came out of the agency world needing a break. I think most people that have worked in the agency side of the business know it's pretty grueling. It's really long hours. And um, I had deferred it for a year and just sort of decided that I really wanted to do it, which is a hard 
choice to make, as I am sure you know, because you said you also did a graduate degree, when you're, you know, bordering on 30, it's a lot of money, it's moving, and it's taking a pause on, on your career. But um, And moved- you've got friends and family around you saying, you're crazy, what are you doing? Yeah, I, I, I literally did. I don't, my parents weren't that supportive at first, and then I sort of convinced them it was the right thing to do, and I went to New York and did a Master's of Media Studies, which is um, at the new school. It's a theoretical and practical master's, so you learn editing and filmmaking and pitching television, writing, research, and the theory side. So um, it was wonderful, and again, one of those sort of pivotal points in my own personal growth and career. Uh- Talk a bit about the difference between, and also keeping in mind, I know we can't go apples to apples because you're doing, you're comparing an undergraduate to a graduate degree, but what was the difference between, say, university at the new school and at Bishop's? Um, I think it's just a sense of maturity by the time you're 30. You've worked a lot, and I knew what I was interested in, and... Um, you know, the courses, as I said, were more practical, where at university it's quite theoretical. And, um, you know, New York's a really interesting town, like great teachers. Um, you know, our, we went out and shot films. I got to pitch a television um, show to an uh, executive from Oxygen Media. It's just really interesting and, and exciting. Uh, but something else happened to you there when you were... Uh doing your master's, you also landed a very nice internship at Showtime. Tell us about that. Yeah, I did. So um, as part of the program, they offered um, an internship at Showtime, uh, which is Viacom Media. And um, I applied and won it, in essence. So it was a paid internship. And um, I got to work there for a few months and then was asked to be hired on contract as well. Um, And I loved it. I mean, it was a huge company, amazing brand to work on. They were launching incredible shows. So um, it was a really great experience. And you mentioned you were account manager on Showtime. Tell us a little bit about what that's like, simply because the term account manager in Canada usually gets associated with a rep. But I know Showtime is like HBO. They don't have commercials. So it was more on the brand side. So marketing the shows to consumers. So what I what the position was at the time was sort of um, a bridge between the creative department and all the brand managers. Um, so basically being that in between writing the briefs, making sure that things were on brand, working with the creatives to make sure that they understood the creative direction, and then getting approvals um, on creative. So like outdoor billboards, print ads, promo spots, key photography, things like that. Which shows were keeping you your busiest? Because I think this generation of people today when they hear Showtime, they're probably thinking Homeland. Yeah, I mean, it was like back in the day. So I'm trying to think of, um, oh my gosh, I'm trying to think of some of the shows that I worked on at the time. Uh, I'm going to have to look them up for you. That's okay. We'll say it's the channel that's got Homeland (laughs) for the most part. And so then after everything wrapped up there, your internship, you graduated, uh, you came back to Canada. I did. Uh, Did you find you had to reintegrate yourself back into the working world here or because uh, anyone that I know that goes down to New York, uh, they always say that it's longer hours, a little bit more fast-paced, and that the one thing that they admired about Toronto or they missed about it was that it was a little bit slower and you had a little bit more chance to breathe and methodical. Was that the case, or was it just the same? I guess so. I just am not that personality. I'm just really driven, so I don't feel like I took much of a break, but I was really lucky because the first job I applied to when I got back to Toronto was my job at Global Television, and um, I got it, and I was there, aside from a small, like, temporary six months at Chorus, for almost five years. And um, that's really where I grew and developed a lot of my career. 
what's some of the work uh, from your Can West days or Global days that I mean you're proud of, or some of the stuff that you had the most fun doing? I mean, we won a Promax award for our campaign to launch season six of Twenty Four. So, I mean, what I'm proud of is like when it comes to serial television or primetime television, a lot of it is selling series to consumers that continue. So, like, I think I worked on twelve seasons of Survivor. So it's what's the new hook? How are we getting consumers into this? Um, same with House, uh, 24, six or seven seasons. Um, I worked on the Super Bowl and actually we threw a huge party in Detroit when it was on for oh, nice. global television and also did our first sort of live hits with ET Canada from there, which I organized a lot of. So there was just a lot of um, really interesting, fun things about it. And it's I, I worked for some really amazing bosses who are really strategic and learned a lot from. And I mean, you spent a lot of time on the content side of things, and then you made the jump to Juice Mobile. And this is where I think it's interesting with your career, and it kind of reflects the way the world is going too, is because, I mean, you've been working on, and I, I used to be in television as well, where literally the programming was the face of the company more than anything else. And now it's kind of like data is the face of the company. You're not talking about who the actors are, what the narrative of that program is. You're delving into so much more. So when you made the jump to Juice, uh, was there a bit of a learning curve? Did you kind of have to recalibrate how you would uh, approach marketing uh, a big media company? Well, I think the difference was that like I've grown up as a consumer marketer, and then I you know switched my career into B two B, basically business to business marketing. Um, just my role prior to Juice. But what I loved about a going to digital is it's so fast paced and mobile, especially, and sort of being on the cusp of where the industry is going. And like you, I love learning. So um, it was a real fit for me. And um, I also uh, find it really easy to work for companies or people that I believe in. And um, Neil Sweeney, who's the CEO and president of Juice Mobile, was an old colleague and a peer from CanWest. And, um, you know, he was really on the cutting edge of what the mobile, like what the future of mobile looks like and creating products that really work for advertisers. So I loved it. And then after that, uh, I mean, you've landed here where you are now at the Exchange Lab. Yeah, and I love it here too. And programmatic media, as you know, is um, basically the future of media. It's how all media is going to be traded probably down the road. And um, You didn't even say bought, you said traded. So traded. that's exactly the way it's going. It's like a giant stock exchange. I've tried to explain it to some people and they're like, I'm like, no, it really is going to be that way. You know what? And I'm passionate about this job and um, area of digital specifically because as you know it's so confusing and there's so much jargon and so many people talk about being the experts and you know as a communicator first and foremost and a marketer I think it's really important to first educate people and try to make sense of it all and so that's what I am passionate about. Well kudos to the Exchange Lab because one thing that they did very early on when a lot of the uh, trading desks or outside trading desks started to pop up is, is that they were branding everyone. I mean, I remember seeing a lot of their reps or any of their marketing people wearing the, the lab coats. That was a really big thing. You know what? It stood out. It stood out and it got a lot of attention and I think it worked very well for them. But uh, anyways, you know what? We're going to wrap it up now. I'm going to close with the last question. Uh, it's a question I ask everyone. If you weren't in media and you can't say I'd only ever be in media, uh, what do you think you'd be doing with your life instead? Um, I think I would be writing novels or being a writer. Perfect. Nikki, thanks for your time. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to today's show. For more episodes, go to soundcloud.com slash mediapeoplepodcast and follow me on Twitter at Vic Genova.